Hayes, and welcome once again to In the Finest Hour, a 40k competitive podcast about improving your game with tips and strategies you can use in about an hour. I am, from the center, your podcast host, Sean Morgan, sometimes known as Abuse Puppy, and I have with me on the left my good podcast host, Shaylan Owen. Greetings. And on the right, my evil podcast host, Joshua Death. Good evening. Uh, can you can can you tweak that a little bit into a good evening? Uh, good evening. Uh-huh. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, now we're going full Dracula. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm just gonna go purge this now. Yeah. <laughs> so please, please don't purge this. We need this for the episode. It will sound real weird if there's just a 30 second break there that says this spot's put censored by the Grey Knights. That's gonna come <laughs> off a little weird. <laughs> Damn Grey Knight censorship. I mean... Don't, don't tempt me, I am the one who edits this. I know, that's why I'm <laughs> warning you not to. Because I can't stop you if you decide to do so. <laughs> Stick it to the man, Sean. Yeah, uh, she's a woman, actually. The um, lady. Lady, in fact. <laughs> yes. Hey, I don't assume, okay? I don't make assumptions. I think at this point I don't need to assume. I think Shaylin has been fairly specific on that point. I, I am female. I am a woman. See, there we go. Rumor confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> so, on the subject of Draculas, which I know, of course, is a, uh, a perfect transition into things here, something that I'd, had come up to me recently, and I'm curious to hear what you guys think of it, dice superstition. Because a lot of people have a lot of weird little habits when it comes to 40k dice. Uh... And I wanted to ask you guys, what is the strangest one you've ever seen? I had an opponent who was totally just grabbing dice mm-hmm. from anywhere, including mine, without asking. Ooh. And this was at the tournament where I was sick as a dog, so I kind of had to yell at him, like, dude, stop touching my dice, I don't want you to get sick. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> I don't think preventing him from getting influenza is exactly a superstition. <laughs> Um, although but I will, they, but yeah. then he would take these dice and roll them one at a time for saves. Yeah, three up is... saves on one damage weapons. I, I would say that of all the things your opponent can do, just about the worst is the rolling saves one at a time. It's like it's more suspenseful. Uh. And it's like yeah, but it's also forty minutes longer because I just shot you with a squad of ludas. So. Can we not spend the entire game resolving one attack from a single unit? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, Josh. What's what? what what's your dice superstition? The best one for me, and <laughs> I will never forget this. I still tell this story. Is there's there's a friend of mine for a while that he actually carried his dice. His dice bag, which you would call it, uh-huh. was actually a blender. Oh, okay. He uh he he had a friend of his that worked at one of the the dice companies like not Chessex but a different one sure and uh, he would have literally bags like grocery bags of dice when he go, would go play Warhammer <laughs> and any die single die that would fail if it, if it failed to save or whatever he put it in the blender wow and he would play through the whole game and then at the end of the game he would turn the blender on <laughs> and he would blend them he would blend them down like he would literally shred these dice down to little pieces. And then he would take them back and give them to his company, and they would remake them in a dice. <laughs> the best part, though, was during the entire game, he was talking to his dice, like threatening them, uh-huh. like saying, "You, you want, you want to go in the blender? You're gonna roll good, or you're going in the blender." <laughs> 
And he would be talking to him the entire time. And he was like, uh, for a while there, I thought he was just joking, like it was just some kind of persona. But no, every single game he played like this. Wow. Every game. It was it was hilarious to watch because he really got serious, man. I saw him one time go on a five-minute tirade yelling at his dice over this. It was hilarious. So here's a superstition. For some reason, if my punch dice have been statistically bad, like they've had a bad dice game, because those happen to everybody, and I yell at their dice and say, you guys are going to give me a statistical game because I am not winning this game because you are failing your friend, <laughs> and I lecture them, they start rolling very good afterwards. And they do it for the rest of the tournament, apparently. <laughs> See? Grey Knight censorship. <laughs> Alive and well. So here is my personal dice, uh, not quite superstition, but we'll call say pet peeve. Uh-huh. And this is the worst. You see the guy who walks up with his, like, crown royal bag or whatever it is that's got, you know, probably 200 dice in it. And it comes time to roll for first turn and all that, and he takes out one die and he rolls it and then he puts it back in the bag. And then he's got to roll saves, so he digs out four dice and he rolls them and then he puts them back in the bag. And puts them back in the bag. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> and then he's got to roll 30 dice for his heavy bolter, so he slowly counts out 30 dice, and he rolls them, and then he puts them back in the bag. And puts them back in the bag. <laughs> about the third or fourth time they do that, I'm just about ready. Like, do you have no pattern recognition at all? Do you just not understand that you're going to need dice again several more times this turn? <laughs> It uh, it blows my mind when, because it's like you know the opposite end of the spectrum is the guy who's got like dice measured out for everything and like he knows that his loot has rolled this many dice and yeah he's got all that pre measured and ready to go that guy love that guy that's my best friend right there mm-hmm. uh, but the the dude who keeps putting away his dice and every time has to dig out a new set of them that drives me up the wall I I had a uh, friend who was started to get into Warhammer, and I was teaching her to not do that. It is the worst. Just the I, worst. I explained to her, I'm like, this This is A, slow, B, annoying, C. <laughs> it's just easier if they're out in little groups of yeah. either four or five or something. Mm-hmm. I make my dice into, like, this little neat little groups of four, and then I pick up six, four of them, and oh, look, it's the Stormbolter round! Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that's definitely a good habit, although we're venturing beyond superstition into practice at this point. <laughs> I don't really have any superstitions about my dice. I, I mostly just have dice I like using, but everyone's always seems to have that, like, why dice roll bad? And it's kind of like, I don't know, all my dice seem to roll the same. Maybe I just don't pay very good attention to them. <laughs> well, ever since I started using gravity dice as my only dice that I use in games, I never actually have that worry anymore. Like, are these rolling a little bit lean? Or mm-hmm. are these rolling hot? Never have that issue anymore. I'm so happy about that. They're, they're some of, they're the, not some of, they are the best dice I have ever owned for playing Warhammer. They're amazing. They're, they're very nice looking. Oh, they, they are. Oh, they, they feel great. They roll great. They're easy to read. I, I love them for that. And because the company puts so much work into them and they refine them so well and they don't batch test, but they test every die individually, mm-hmm. not as a batch, not a die comes off that floor until they roll within one thousandth of a percentile of true random. Yeah. Nice. Dead serious. Like they are, they are that, they are that meticulous about their dice. They are, they are truly perfectly balanced dice. They're amazing. Yeah. I, 
I would love to be able to afford about 16 sets of them, because that's what I need for some of my armies. You know, when you're throwing a whole Noise Marines unit worth of shots into something, four or eight dice doesn't cut it. They are they're on the pricey side, but they're obviously very carefully machined, and yeah, it's worth it. Like, if that's what it, you want to really, like make the dice feel right to you, then, like, we kind of laugh at all these little superstitions, but the reality is it's, like, it's part of your game experience. So if that's what you need, then, yeah, you know, do that. Yeah. Well, let's let's take things from dice superstitions into the realm of dice fact. This episode, we're going to be talking about the command reroll. I mean, it's so fundamental, the game, we've just kind of assumed a lot about it. But it's really easy to remember, or, you know, for players who started more recently and didn't play in previous editions, the command reroll didn't exist until 8th edition. It, it just, it wasn't around at all. And we forget how much influence it has over the game, but anyone who's played the earlier editions of the game, as Shayla and Josh and I all have, mm-hmm. um, it's easy to forget, like, in 7th edition, if everything came down to a single die roll... You just had to hard roll that six or what have you and hope for the best. Yeah, no. Whole whole armies in 6th and 7th edition were dedicated to bringing a single model just to get that reroll. Fate Weaver. Yep. Um, yeah. In the previous editions, his, his main ability was that he gave you a single reroll of any one die per turn, and people would spend 300 points to get him in an army, and like he did other things too, he cast spells and flew around and did mm-hmm. whatever, but the real reason you brought him was he gave you a reroll. Yeah. Which is why I would always sit there and cry at Stern. <laughs> who gives you a reroll mm. for himself, and then gives your opponent a reroll? Yeah. You're not you're not earning any mileage when you both get a reroll. Especially when your opponent can use it on anything and you have to use it on Stern. Right. By the way, Stern's not very good. Uh, really? <laughs> so what, let's let's talk a little bit about the strat itself, uh, because as I said, like it's so fundamental to the game, a lot of people kind of gloss over it. But I mean, the most obvious thing about it is it is a stratagem, and this interacts with a lot of stuff that interacts with stratagems. Yes, it is also one of the few universal stratagems that all armies get access to equally. No stopping that. Yes, um, although, interestingly, uh, stratagems only apply to matched play, uh, for the most part, or or the very least, uh, match play and certain kinds of narrative play, as uh, if you if you play without detachments, not Battleforge, then you, you actually aren't getting command points, so you aren't having stratagems, which is a, a strange thing, but apparently that's how it works. I'm not sure why GW would build such a fundamental thing into the game and then just have entire game types that don't use it. I don't understand. I think the intention of open play is to just pick up and go, which means less complicated, and stratagems are a level layer of complexity in the game that for a brand new player can be just overwhelming. Certainly, because you're presenting a lot of options beyond what is written down on a data sheet. It's much easier to just be able to look at a a particular unit and say, oh, it does this because that's what it says on this sheet. Yeah, and I don't have to reference another page of a book that interacts with another page of a different book that interacts with the big rule book. The Folly of 7th Edition. Well, 8th does it a little bit too. A little bit. You don't have so much of... You don't have as many of the special rules that refer to other special rules. Yes. Still, the the concept still applies. It, the interaction between stratagems is definitely something they have to execute constantly. Sure. 
So, uh, the command reroll, as Shaylin says, is universal to everyone. Uh, costs you only a single command point, which we'll probably come back around talking about that a little bit more later. And allows you to reroll any one single dice. And GW says dice, but they, they really mean die, they just... The British have forgotten how plurality works. It is worth noting a couple small things about that, that uh, because it rerolls a single die on rolls of 2d6 or 3d6, which you occasionally see in the game, it will only reroll one of those dice. Uh, very important when you're doing charge rolls and things like that. It also has been clarified in some of the errata and FAQs that you cannot use it on mission rolls, uh, such as the roll for the first turn, the roll to determine who picks sides... Um, if you are using sort of a Maelstrom deck or something like that, you cannot use it to re-roll your results on the Maelstrom chart or other similar effects. Um, so it works on anything except for the things it doesn't work on. <laughs> it, it works on any in-game action besides the Maelstrom cards. Yeah, well, but it, you can be used on things that happened before the game. Um, yeah. I'm not... I'm not aware of any that exist currently. I, I believe there are some, but, you know, something that's like roll a 2d6 at the start, you know, before the, the game begins on a 2-up do a thing, something like that. You could use command reroll on that, um, mm. since it, it's prohibited from being used on mission rolls, not pre-game rolls, even though most of the pre-game rolls are mission rolls. Yes. Makes sense. A deployment role, basically. Yes. Uh, Josh, do you have anything to throw in in just sort of the, the basics of the stratagem there, or any of your thoughts on that? Pretty self-explanatory, honestly. I mean, it's uh, what it does and what it doesn't do is is the the kind of like chess. You know, it's the easy nuances. It's very clear what it does and doesn't do, but the the intricacies of it, the nuances of it, that's really where it gets really really get into it. Yeah. Speaking of nuance. Here is something that not everybody has realized about it that I've startled opponents with. You can re-roll a success with this. Mm-hmm. It's true. It uh, does not define any condition about the status of that die, success, or fail. That's correct. So sometimes you re-roll a success so your unit does more terribly on purpose. Yep, there's definitely times you will you want your unit to fail, perhaps a morale check or something like that. Treason of Zinch, anybody? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um... So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna come back around to that a little bit more when we talk about phases and all of that because there's certainly times in each of those phases where you'll want to fail with things, but that's a very very important point right there. Um, also mean... relevant to that point is that uh, unlike many of the things which re-roll successes or whatnot, you can re-roll something that would be excess accepting modifiers. Uh, so if you're taking that minus one to hit or whatever, and you your weapon skill three up, you roll that three. You can still re-roll that. You're still safe there. The other thing you can't do is re-roll a die that has already been re-rolled with it. Yes. So you have a natural re-roll built into something, um, such as the Grey Knight's Demon Hunter ability lets them re-roll to wound rolls against demons. Mm-hmm. That die's already been re-rolled. I cannot re-roll it again. Also very important. That's a good thing to point out. Yeah, that's a good hit, Shaylin, because a lot of people, I don't know why, but it used to be a very common knowledge kind of thing, but I have noticed more and more lately that uh, it doesn't seem to be as common knowledge in 8th edition that I've noticed. A lot of a lot less people seem to know it just inherently that you cannot re-roll re-roll, so good, good point on that one. Yeah, Rerolls have become more common, but also more complicated in 8th edition in some ways. Yeah, no, and, and that's specifically a big book rule 
Yes. That, is, that I'm citing here. That's There's a, a little aside column in there somewhere. I think it's in the psychic phase of all places. Uh, Don't quote me no, on that. No, I believe it's in the... there Because there's a pre-section before even the movement phase that just talks about dice rolls, and I believe it is in there. Okay. Um, I, I, I yeah. don't remember where it is, but it, it's in a funny little place. So yes. that is very relevant to using this stratagem. Yeah. So I'd, I'd like to take a step back here and talk about kind of early 8th edition and the command reroll because uh, as we said, like early on in 8th edition, like when people were still getting used to things before there were codexes, really, mm-hmm. um, the command reroll was one of the few things you had. And you saw a lot of people make more use of it and a lot more analysis on it back then. Um, and we're going to talk about some of that analysis mostly in the second half of the turn when we talk about when you should be using it. Er- early on, it was very focused on. Mm-hmm. And you saw people use it constantly and talk about when to use it because it's what they had. But now people forget about it, or maybe not forget about it, but don't think about it. And that was sort of the purpose of this whole episode, was we wanted to go through and, and make sure that people understood, like, this is a very important part of the game. Mm-hmm. It also matters more and less to certain different types of armies. Uh, Shaylin's already pointed out that some armies have innate rerolls built in. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, those armies have a lot less use for the command reroll. Uh, uh, though that said, a, a lot of armies that have innate rerolls built in are generally leaning a little bit more towards the elite or at least specialist units within a book. That's true, and. Uh, and that said, it's not like they can't use them, because in an elite unit, one armor save can make a world more difference than it's going to do to a horde. Absolutely. Um, and that's actually a really good point about the command reroll in general. The most important thing to remember about it is that you need to save it for the roles that change a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes those roles are not obvious, and sometimes they are. Um, but the, some roles are are more important than others. They just are going to matter more. So you need to be using it, because like any stratagem, you can only use it once per phase, you need to be saving your command reroll for the roles that are the most important to you and that are the most important to the game. The other big point I think I would really want to kind of like put down, and, and this is what we sort of glanced by earlier, the command reroll gives you a a degree of reliability that did not exist in the game before. Mm-hmm. Um, although it's certainly not a perfect smoothing of the dice by any means, um, just the fact that it's there means that you have a certain amount of like mental backup where it's just like, oh, I need a two or better on this. and But always in the back of your mind, you're remembering, I've got the command reroll I need if I need it. So if you need a two or better on a roll that wins you the game... Chances are you pass that roll. Whereas in previous editions, that two or better on a roll that wins you the game, if, if you don't get that two, then there's nothing you can do about it. It's just like, well, I rolled a one. I guess I lose. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh. Josh, you have anything to say? We've been talking a lot. We want to make sure you were still included. <laughs> no, no, you're, no, you're good. I was, I was literally, I was literally just thinking to myself like. I really actually have nothing to add to that. That was pretty solid. I literally was just thinking that. Sorry. <laughs> well, let's move things into a little more specifics, because we sort of broadly talked about a lot of stuff here. So let's really get down to the nitty-gritty, which is, I think, what people are looking for. Uh, there are six different phases in the game um, that you can potentially use a command reroll on. 
which, if you kind of think about that, like your turn, enemy turn, that's potentially a lot of command points blown through. Mm. Um, you're not going to be spending command point every single phase. Um, but let's talk about the things you are likely to do with it in a given phase. And let's just go ahead through in phase order. Uh, so movement. What's the obvious use for the, the command point role in the movement phase? Advances. Yep. Yeah, the, the big one's the advance roll, obviously. Um, and for those of you who haven't really thought about or paid attention to that before, we'll go ahead and reiterate, good players win the game in the movement phase. Um, it's not just getting onto objectives, it's a lot of things. Um, and now that terrain is no longer random with your difficult terrain rolls and nonsense like that, you don't see quite as much of that. But um, advances can still really change your positioning and what you're up to during a game, which is incredibly important. Um, and you do see the occasional unit with a random movement value or with an ability that triggers during the movement phase. Um, there are a few of those. Uh, I mean, your your tech marines and apothecaries and models like that have abilities that trigger during the movement phase. So, mostly movement, but there are other things that happen in the movement phase, and that's something to keep in mind. Oh, or start of turn actions. I play Sisters of Battle, and they had a lot of those. Yes, uh, although that is typically not during a phase, or at least the previous version was not. Yes. Um, the new Sisters of Battle Acts of Faith are during a phase, so you do have to use them then. But, uh, you know, that's another thing to remember. Is like uh, well, you I may was have... referring to the fact that the, you can have uh, Acts of Faith respawn on four pluses with certain warlord traits in Sisters of Battle, and that happens at the beginning of turn. Oh, is that beginning of turn? Yep. Okay. Uh, and there's, there's an, an important distinction there. For those of you who are from older editions, beginning of turn is not movement phase. Those are two different times. Um, they used to be the same. They no longer are. Remember that those are not the same. Actually, a, a big one, it's a little army-specific, but a big one that uh, uh, it has been a really new thing that I've been encountering in 8th is summoning. Mm -hmm. It's uh, A lot of people still think that it's like a psychic power or that you can deny it or whatever, but it's actually done in the movement phase, and it is very dice-dependent because you can actually do a lot of damage to yourself, and I have... I have personally used many, many a command points trying to keep a, a certain character from taking mortal wounds because I rolled low or trying to get a higher value so I can get the unit I want. Yes. Um, demons are a fantastic example of that, and one Josh obviously has a lot of experience with. Uh, but many armies do have those movement phase abilities or keywords or whatnot that can be very, very relevant. Uh, so keep in mind that your movement phase is distinct from the other phases, and if you need to spend a CP there and a CP somewhere else, then you absolutely can. Uh -huh. uh, so let's move on to a phase that I think both of you are pretty familiar with the my, psychic phase. My phase. Yes. Shay phase time. <laughs> there are obviously bunches of uses for a command point in the psychic phase. This is one of the places where order starts to be very important. Mm -hmm. Make sure you're casting your spells in the right order so that you have a command point available for when things go badly, because perils usually is not back-breaking, but every once in a while, when you have that character sitting on really low wounds and he's next to four or five other units, you don't want him to perils. Or characters. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, the the other thing to note there is a, there are stratagems that help you psychically. A lot of psychic armies do have casting stratagems, comma, you do them before you roll, 
rather than reactively, like a CP reroll. Yes. And uh, that is an important thing to remember about CP reroll, is it is reactive. That is a very big power about this stratagem, is it's mm-hmm. reactive. You can see what the results of the roll are before you decide whether or not you need to spend CP to retry it. It's also worth remembering that it's, you know, obviously not just perils, but of course any psychic role. Um, this is why your, your order of spells is very important because it's not just avoiding perils, it's making sure all of your spells succeed where this is very critical. And there are a lot of armies that are heavily dependent on getting off specific psychic powers. Uh, Yanari really, really needs protect, quicken, and doom in different combinations. Um, Grey Knights often will make very, you'll, you'll move to somewhere and use Astral Aim, which mm-hmm. if you've moved behind a building and you fail your power, oops. Right. That's, that's why you use Mental Focus, because you're not a stupid person. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, th- and that's the whole idea here is you need to make sure that the roles that are most important, again, coming to that most important roles, You need to make sure those are succeeding, which means you need to do powers in the right order. Now, that doesn't always mean doing the most important powers first. Um, Sometimes it does. That gives you the benefit of more information. If you already know whether or not you have succeeded with that astral aim, you can decide whether or not it's worth re-rolling something else for a smite or a sanctuary or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, it may be more valuable to bait out a deny first and kind of draw the enemy out um, and then save your things later. So you should always remember, do I have my command reroll available? Um, and if the enemy you know, denies one of your spells and you're like, ooh, well, okay, I would have liked to reroll that, but think about, like, do you have something else that would have been better to spend that point on later in the turn, a spell that is going to affect your game a lot more? Mm-hmm. And we'll break down a lot more about spells when we do our Psychic Phase episode. There is going to be an episode on the Psychic Phase. There's a lot to talk about there. Oh, yeah. Every one of these phases is going to get an episode of its own, just talking about the many, many things you can do at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's go to, I think, the phase where I would argue probably most people spend their command reroll most often, the shooting phase. Mm Mm-hmm. Part of it is just the opportunities, uh, whereas a psychic role is only going to have one or two rolls to it at most. Uh, a shooting role, you're going to have to roll possibly the random stats on your weapon, and then you're going to have to roll your shots, and then your hit and misses and all that. You're going to have to roll wounds and damage and all these sort of things. There's just a lot of steps to it, to where you can use a CP. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of people use their CP in the wrong place in the shooting phase, which we're definitely going to get into that in the back half of the episode, because there there are some uses that are just mathematically better than others. Um, yes. But armies do most of their work in the shooting phase, and so most players are using CP in the shooting phase more than any other phase. Well, as I will point out, when you drop in your deep strikers, you'll always be able to shoot, but you don't always make it into assault. That is extremely true. Very true. Very true. And I think even corn fails assaults occasionally. Yes, and that is that is my only hesitancy in calling the shooting phase the king of CP rerolls because a lot of people over the years have used a command point to reroll one of the two dice on a charge results, including me. Absolutely including you. Uh, That is extremely, extremely common. Uh, And the assault phase is probably the phase where the fact that you only get to re-roll a single die rather than both dice of a single die roll uh, is extremely important. Because if you roll a 1 and a 2, you really wish you could re-roll both of them, but you can't. 
and sometimes it's more relevant. Um, one of this is a great example. I have a warlord trait that lets me reroll both dice. Yep. But not one. So getting the option to go back to the CP reroll, like oh I got a six but I got a one. Well, fifty-fifty shot at making the charge. Yes. Uh, that is where you do, you want to remember, that even if you have a reroll available elsewhere, it may be more beneficial for you to use your command point reroll on a 2d6 or 3d6 results. Mm-hmm. Um, that is extremely common. As Shay says, you get the, you're nine inches away, you get the six and the one. You don't want to reroll the whole result, you want to reroll the one trying for a three. Yeah. Um, fight phase. You see about use, not as much as the shooting phase, because you tend to see a lot more attacks than you do shots, which means each of them is individually less valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any specific uses in the fight phase for the reroll that you guys see fairly often? Uh, damage amounts on my weaponry. Yeah, that's a big one. Oh, for weapons with random damage? Yeah. It's not uncommon um, to see in the, the shooting phase also, but I think there are more D6 weapons in the assault phase, typically. D6 and D3s, uh, you'll be su- I'm surprised at how often I have to sit there and consider rerolling a force weapon's damage output. That's true. Uh, the difference between killing and not killing a model can be useful, um, especially if you are sit- if they are sitting on a very low model count remaining in the unit, or it means taking down something big like a knight or whatnot. Or not killing something. I have rerolled hits mm. into fails so many times in the fight phase on purpose. Yeah, I can, yeah. It that was a lot more common in previous editions. Um, it's now that you have more options for not hitting units full power, either by not piling in, or by fighting with a worse weapon, or whatnot. It's not quite as common as it used to be, uh, but it's still something to remember, as you may just roll so hot you do more damage than you want to, and you just want to save that last model to hug them for a while. Mm-hmm. Nurgle hugs. Nurgle hugs. Um, so the, the final phase proper would, of course, be the morale phase. Um, another one where you see CP used fairly often to retry things. Uh, either to retry a failure and hold some models around, or a success to try and get rid of all your guys who are getting hugged. Yep. It goes both ways. Absolutely it does. Uh, and you, of course, have armies that benefit from specific results in the uh, morale phase, such as Nurgle or Tau, uh, who have, you know, triggers on a 1, triggers on a 6, stuff like that. Well, demons in general, like, if they roll certain rolls, don't they just spawn new bo- dudes? Only if they have the upgrade for it. Uh, ah. But pretty much everyone takes the upgrade, so most players sort of forget that, like, that's technically optional. <laughs> um, but True. Yes. I've never not seen it on the table, so what do I know? Yeah. So, although it's not technically a phase, I actually wanted to talk a little bit about the enemy turn here. Mm. Uh, Because, you know, obviously an entire set of phases of its own, um, but you you will use CP on the enemy turn on a fairly regular basis. Mm -hmm. Um, Because sometimes you want to pass saves, weirdly. No. Well, we went back to the elite example. Saving a certain elite thing, like the place I am most likely to reroll a save is on a Smash Captain. Yes. It is especially valuable on those sort of good elite units and um, on, on ones that are likely to survive anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you will see that in the, the both the shooting and the assault phases as the enemy tries to do their work. Um, you may need to... It's like, ooh, I'm only one save away from dying. Well, we're going to try and keep ourselves alive. 
He's hitting me with a big las can I failed to save. I'm going to save myself now so I have HP to have later. Yes. Uh, you'll also use it in the enemy psychic phase for denies reasonably often. Um, as you, it's often stopping a critical spell can change a game significantly. Uh, so if you can shut down that jinx or what have you, then that can really make a big difference. Death Hex. Mm-hmm. There's some really powerful spells out there. So do you guys have any other specific callouts for phase uses or other sort of general guidelines for the, the thing that you think are worth talking about here? Josh, you've been, you haven't had a lot to say so far. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of thinking on that. You know, what I was literally just thinking about what would be the, what would be added, you know, that I would add, that I would use a command reroll in. Um, I, I know we kind of briefly hit it in the assault phase, but, uh, obviously the, you know, kind of charge phase slash assault phase. Mm -hmm. Um, to be honest, 90% of the time when I see those CP being used, it's there. I see that one there more than almost any other place, personally, is in that needing that charge roll. Because it's always that I need to, I rolled a 6 and a 1, and I need a 9. I really need that to be a 3. I see that one there more than probably any other place. Or uh, where, you know, I'm 4 inches away, I roll double 1s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also see it quite a bit in, uh, you know, you're you're only like five inches away and you rolled a six for your charge, but, you know, like you rolled a five and a one. And so you're like, well, I already got the charge. I'm going to get the charge, but I kind of want to get the unit a little deeper or I want to get more models into a fight. And I see it you know, mm. quite often used. I still want to reroll that one to see if I can get a few more inches, maybe get a couple more guys into swing or get a little bit deeper for the consolidator or whatever. I've seen that one used quite a bit as well. Or to wrap the enemy more effectively or other things like that. Uh, yeah, that's that's extremely common. And as Shay has pointed out earlier, you can reroll anything, success or fail. And that yeah. is a very good example of that. Shay, mm -hmm. did you have anything you wanted to add to our little finale here? The place I see it get used that are that bemuses me, but I don't think is a good idea, honestly, is hmm. for disgustingly resilient saves on Nurgle stuff. Mm. I we're gonna I, talk a lot more about bad places to use it in the bottom half of the episode. Uh, yeah, um, but on the other hand, I I used one that was kind of a bad choice like that because my character had passed eleven of twelve feel no pains and i said eh, we'll see if it's 12 oh look it's 12 there you go <laughs> he didn't take any damage from your damn castellan ouch right well i think that's a pretty good place to uh wrap the first half of the episode up we've gotten some pretty good discussion on things so we're gonna take a break hit the quartermaster and we will catch you all with mres in hand on the bottom half chicken ala king <laughs> And we are back, having consumed the king of all chickens and grown more powerful than ever as a result, which means we are once more ready to discuss the command point reroll and its uses.
Which is the point of command. Yeah, isn't it, though? Kings, command, it all ties together. <laughs> Conspiracies and secrets, my friends. I thought you were going to go something super mega ultra chicken myth, but that's ah, okay, too. It's, it's only myth. <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked a lot about the basic uses, like re-rolling all of the fundamental game rolls, your advance, your hits, misses, wounds, all that sort of thing. But there are lots of other things uh, that you can use it on. What are What are some of your top other uses that don't fall under those categories? So the one I have that comes up to mind, and this is across a handful of armies in the game, Black Templar, Sisters of Battle, and the Corn Chaos Space Marines, and World Demons. Leaders. Don't the demons get one as well, Josh, or is that only the Space Marines? Nope, the Admech, though. Admech Raya has one as well. Which yes. is the new hotness, and Stygies doesn't work the way it used to. Yes. Um, so those factions have the Deny on a 4-plus stratagem. Mm-hmm. And... The cool thing about that stratagem is you can just shut a power down. Doesn't matter how big or powerful if it was over 12 or whatever, because you can do that in this game. Yeah. One of the things I've observed with it is if you use it, because I do have access and I do use it, I wind up using a CP reroll if I fail. Because Mm -hmm. denying that power is so important, I'm willing to sink 2 CP into it if I have to. Yeah, if you if you think about it, like, would you pay two CP for a stratagem that shuts down an enemy power? I sure would, because like that's still a, a pretty efficient and useful thing, and can turn a game when you do it right. Mm-hmm. So why not think of it as a two CP stratagem that fifty percent of the time gets a discount? Yeah. <laughs> um, Josh, do you have any favorite? Uh... There's actually a couple. There's actually a couple that I kind of lean towards. Uh, one one that comes to mind more is I've I've seen the command point reroll used. Uh, extensively with this special strat, and that's the Vect, the Vect strat, the Cabal, the Blackheart, uh, Agents of Vect. Um, and then obviously soon probably be the same with the Gene Star Cult strat, yep. where they have the ability to counter to, to shut off another stratagem. And, but obviously it is, a lot of people don't remember, but it is technically on a die roll. You actually, you say you're using the stratagem, then you roll a die. And on a one, it actually does nothing. On a two to five, they get their command points back and it cancels out their stratagem. On a six, it not only cancels out their stratagem, but they don't even get their command points back. Mm-hmm. And I have seen that one quite often. Someone will use the Vect strat, and they'll roll, and they roll a one, and command... I mean, that, that is this king of command point reroll. I'm going to use a... I just spent four command points to do this. I'm going to spend another one to make sure it works. Absolutely. And I think that's actually something you can generalize, is there are a lot of stratagems that work on a die roll... Uh, the zombie knight stratagem. Mm-hmm. I mean, just about every book has at least one of them. Um, many of those are worth keeping your command point reroll for because you obviously wanted the stratagem to work, so you're probably willing to pay one more command point than the basic cost in order to ensure it does. Yes, the, th- the theme of this discussion. Demons, actually, quite quite often, uh, the, especially whenever you're whenever you're trying to summon in very large things like anything, because for those that don't know how they work, it obviously it's based off power level. When you roll to summon, you roll a number of dice, and you can summon equal to the die roll in power level of what you're trying to summon. Unfortunately, there's some big stuff out there. Like if you're wanting to summon in a Lord of Change or or like Scarbrand, Scarbrand, who's an 18 power level, and you only get to roll three dice. Um, and th- now there is a stratagem you can use, though, that'll allow you to roll up to four dice in that, uh, to, in the summoning roll. The problem is, even with four dice, trying to get an 18 still isn't a really easy roll. And so, 
quite quite often uh, the few times I remember doing it myself quite often when I went to use that that stratagem to roll four dice I almost always made sure I had another command point just to make sure I could reroll it if I had to abilities in general there's quite a few abilities that have some sort of die roll involved with them and summoning is obviously a very clutch example because you're giving up a lot to use it you're not only you know potentially spending points if you succeed the roll and taking mortal wounds but you're also giving up your movement and you've already got so many invested costs there uh it may be worthwhile to spend that command point to ensure that all those other costs are not wasted yes Yep. There's nothing more frustrating than setting yourself up and then failing because the die hate you. Yes. Bobby G. There's the resurrection guys. There's all the resurrection characters out there that they resurrect on a die roll, and you always keep that command point just to make sure moron number two gets back up. I, Shaylin and Celestine stories. I have (laughs) seen so many people have Celestine get shot at and lose wounds, and go down, and they'll spend a command point to re-roll one of her saves, because they want to keep her alive. And then I keep shooting at her, and she dies. And then they roll the resurrection check, and they get a one. <laughs> and they go to spend a command point, and I'm like, ah, 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 you have already spent a command point this phase, my friends. Uh, you already did it. You done. She is staying down. Um, and this comes back around to our point about the most critical roles. Which is more important, passing one save or getting all your wounds back? Yep. I think most players, when you put it in those terms, will will suddenly change their mind about where they want to spend that command points. Also, um, statistical likelihood is another yes. to consider. If you're re-rolling a 5-up, that's not a good use of it unless that 5-up is somehow going to break the game. I And that's actually something I, I think we really need to talk about in some depth here. So think about two big factors in whether you should use a command point is, will it change the game if I pass it? Rerolling a single guardsman save will not. And how likely am I to pass it if I do reroll it? That six-up invuln that keeps your model alive might change the game if you do it, but how likely are you to do it? And on the contrary thing to that one guardsman, if that one guardsman is what's holding that one objective, like the relic in the Eternal War missions, if he is the one holding the relic in your power, his armor save might be the game right there. Yep. There are times where you will want to re-roll that five-up armor save, or as Shaylin mentioned earlier, the feel-no-pain or whatnot. If that's what keeps your warlord alive and denies the enemy a point that wins you the game, or that keeps your model holding the relic, or whatever other factor it is, you you may need to re-roll that five-up or six-up. Um, there, are, there are times I've done that, but you have to think about it. You're hitting this topic, and it just definitely makes me want to want to ask the question. I kind of wonder here, you know, uh, when you're hitting this topic, and then we were just talking about, like you're just mentioning the the Celestine as the as the example a second ago, it it really it it always asks the question, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of other people have the same question: when, like when it when when is the best time? Like, you know, there there's when do you know what is the best time to make the reroll? Because you only get one, like you said, you get one in the phase. So at what point is the right call? Uh, Shailen, do you want to start here, or do you want... Uh, yeah, sure. So, I go to an absurd amount of tournaments a year. I have had rounds of tournaments where it's just months and months on end where I just basically don't have a week and I don't do Warhammer at a tournament. And 
from sheer hours of experience with this game, I just have an intrinsic sense of this now. An, an intuition more than an equation. Yes. And I can't exactly, and unfortunately I can't exactly answer when is correct, but I can say that if you decide that's probably a good when in your head, kind of like the SAT advice they give mm. you where it's like, your first instinct is often the right answer. Sure. If your instinct says, yes, do it now, it's probably the right answer. Hopefully. Uh, I mean, I, ideally you're getting the experience that tells you that, but of course you you need that experience. Um. Yes, and another thing you can do is explore in soft games and do hypotheticals like, well, what if I had rerolled this? What if I hadn't rerolled that? I think that's actually a good place to start is if you're questioning, like Josh just put the question to us, when do you do it? Um, I think the the question I would start with, if if nothing else, if you have no experience with the game, look at what happens if I fail, what happens if I succeed? Mm-hmm. Um, and... What is my opponent likely to do? Because that's actually where I generally come from. Um, like I said with the Celestine example, you know, you do that sort of like, I shoot some plasma guns at Celestine, oh, and she she passes some saves, but she fails just enough to kill her, and this last plasma gun wound down Celestine. And my opponent is like, oh, I'm going to spend a command point to save her. And the thing I don't say to them, but I'm certainly thinking in my head, is I have more guns left. You passing this save saves her from this roll, but I still have more dice to roll at you. So look at what is going to continue happening in the remainder of that phase when you are considering using your command point there. Because maybe you can save Celestine from this shot, or maybe you can save your tank from the shot I'm putting in over here, but if I still have my Castellan left to shoot, or I still have a Riptide about to open up on a squad... It may not matter that you can save her from this attack, because there's more to come. Yes. The other thing I was going to say is, if you are not confident that now is a good time, like, you're you're sitting there like, I don't know if this is a good time, put it in your back pocket still. If it's not really obvious to you, just keep it back there. Something more obvious will come. Yes, and... You are expending resources to use the command reroll. It's not just once per phase, it's once per phrase limited by the command points you have available. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know if it's the right time, just don't use it. Uh, Worst case scenario, the game goes like it does anyways, and you have more command points later to spend on something. Which can be really important, is saving a CP reroll for turns 5 and 6. Yes. Um... Let's actually talk about that a little bit, because we, we kind of touched this very briefly earlier. You can spend so many command points just on rerolls, potentially 12 per battle round. Mm-hmm. You can blow yourself out of command points really, really quickly if you're not careful. And obviously we've touched on, like, should you use it, what's important, all that. Um, but the thing to remember is there's a huge difference between having one command point left and having zero command points left. Because if you have one command point left, you're playing 8th edition. But if you have zero left, you're playing 7th edition. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. So, so true. You'll usually see good players kind of plan out their command points and know where they're going to use them, and it's often very tempting to spend that command point as like, oh, I could avoid perils, and that means I don't take the wounds and stuff, and that'd be really, really nice, but 
If you need those command points for something else, and there's a very good chance you do, you may just have to accept that bad things happen. Yes, uh, that is distinctly something I've learned playing Grey Knights. They don't perils often, but when they do, it gets pretty exciting very fast. Yes, and you don't love it, but, you know, that's just sort of the risks of the game. I uh, almost never re-roll a perils with Grey Knights. I just kind of live with it. I have noticed that, and like, and that feels even worse than normal, because Grey Knights aren't just taking three wounds on a character, they take, they're losing D3 models from a squad, which it feels much more painful. But I think the, the thing that Shaylin is understood, certainly intuitively and maybe even explicitly, is that she has other more important things to spend those command points on. Your mm. other characters with stratagems like your Blood Angels captains, your Celestines, your sister stratagems for denials and stuff like that. Or even the clutch, like, only death does duty end on my warlord, that's a one command point stratagem too. Absolutely. For Grey Knights only. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, but the the real point here is that you you can't just be blowing through all your CP on rerolls. You need to be much more careful than that, and you need to look back at like what we were talking about earlier. Where is this going to change the game? Because a lot of stratagems, a single use of them can change the game. That's why Agents of Vect is so powerful. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, there are a lot of roles over the course of a game that don't change it. That you make all these, you know, advanced roles and firing with your basic troops bolt guns and things like that, that just don't really matter all that much. Back to the guardsman example. If he's the guy holding the relic, his save might be the most valuable thing to you in that moment. Yes. But if he's just a chump sitting out there with a couple other guys just doing a thing, I guess? Mm -hmm. Not relevant. And... You will need command points at the end of the game, because everyone has that experience of getting down to those last few models on the table, and then single rolls start being really, really important. Mm-hmm. So important. That single, I mean, I, I don't know how many times that one advance roll yep. will win or lose me a game. It It's not an absolute rule. I certainly break this rule myself all the time, but try to have a command point or two available four turns five and six, or whenever the game will end. Mm -hmm. Because you really, really want to be able to change things there, and sometimes that will make a huge difference. If your opponent only has, like, two guns that can shoot at a model, passing those saves so that your model stays alive can put your opponent in an incredibly bad place. Mm-hmm. So bad. So yeah. let's, let's hit the flip side of this a little bit. When shouldn't you be using your command points re-roll? Like, what, what are some of the really bad rolls to use it on? So I, I'm going to bring up, like, as we mentioned earlier, the likelihood of doing it. Yep. Five ups, you're not, you're looking at a third of a time success at the best of occasions. Five and six ups are probably just don't try it. It's not likely to work. Yes. Uh, I will very rarely use it on a 5-up or a 6-up. It's almost never worth it. Uh, if I'm doing that, it's because I have more CP than models left. Yeah, which hopefully <laughs> is a situation you don't find yourself in, but... Uh, Shaylin might. <laughs> I have done this more than once. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. At I'm tournaments and in practice. Not saying it doesn't happen, just saying you probably don't want it to happen. <laughs> No, I don't want it to happen. Mr. pulled my entire Outrider off with one round of shooting. Look, I'm sorry, Yanari are a good army. That was your Tau, dude. 
Tower also a good army. <laughs> um, Josh, do you have any sort of uh, no-go zones for command point rerolls? Just things you you pretty much won't do. Uh God. Other than other than the like rolling for a six, I will like avoid like the plague. Um, I try and avoid damage rerolls. Actually, that that's that's one of my oh that that's one of my uh, personal little like it's just this little personal quirk with me. I, I hate rerolling damage, especially when they're D3 damages, uh, because it's, it's, if, again, like one of the things we talked about is nine times out of ten, if you are using a command point to reroll a die, it is a reroll, it is a reroll that is supposedly mm-hmm. pushing you towards either winning or losing the game. Okay. And if me, the difference between me rolling two damage or four damage on a model yeah. is the difference of me winning or losing this game, I've done something wrong. And and that's kind of what it comes down to to me is if it's that tight that me doing one or two damage to a model is is a yay or nay on me winning I will like I said I'll try and avoid it at all costs. There are times there are those exceptions where mm-hmm. you know if I do five wounds to Mortarian right here instead of two, well I win because he dies. You know I mean that that kind of thing. But it it is a rare circumstance that will force me into rerolling a damage roll. I like to steer away from those personally. So uh, actually, on a kind of a side note. Um... I bring models that grant me rerolls so I don't have to burn CP on it. Yeah. That's I, why I have a Dialogus in my army. She lets me reroll as Act of Faith. I hated blowing CP on that. So yes. I just brought something that made me not do it. Yep. That's And there are spells and whatnot that can give you the same effect, but that is an incredibly valuable thing. Because those, those models essentially act as like free CP batteries for generally one or one to three units in your army. Um, mm-hmm. and that's often a place you would have been spending CP anyways. Um, yeah. So... I actually, I wanted to grab that point Josh just made about, uh, damage rolls and something that I think a lot of people misunderstand. So what's, I, I want to put this to the two of you. Mm-hmm. You are shooting one or more LAS cannons. Let's say, let's say a Devastator squad, four LAS cannons. Okay. At an enemy tank. Where in that sequence would you choose to use your command point reroll if you had decided that doing so is sufficiently important because you need to destroy that tank? You know, it's the rhino full of berserkers that you need to blow up so you can shoot other guns at them. So I would never use it on a two-hit roll because if I've done it correctly, I've got a captain there already granting me that reroll. Okay, but let's 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 step back for a moment and pretend you don't have a bunch of other rerolls. Like where in the sequence is like you know hit wound. So it's a vacuum, and we only have this one squad, and that's all we got. They're shooting. Yes, this is this okay. this is a squad of devastators shooting in a tank. They mm-hmm. exist completely in a vacuum. Um, so the first thing you do, I, I do, is I actually look at the rolls as they happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, same here. Mm-hmm. So for example, if I have whiffed and I get no hits whatsoever. I would not spend any CP on that squad. Yep, not even reroll it. Because that squad has just failed. Yeah, they've. They're... And adding one from that is done nothing statistically important. Right. Uh, but I... that said, if half fail, that third one can be relevant because now I'm statistic. Now that's going to make more of a statistical shift. Okay, uh, Josh, do you have anything you want to to throw in on this? Uh, it was actually she. She almost it's almost identical, like almost verbatim to what the way I would kind of handle it. The way I'm going to handle that situation is I'm going to look at obviously are we looking at a fresh rhino? So you know we got a full ten or eleven wounds or whatever is there, mm-hmm. and I look at okay, well I got five shots and four of them missed. Right. 
at that point, the the probability of adding one last cannon hit to make the difference on this isn't going to matter, so I'm not wasting the CP. Fair. Um, uh, if, let's say, though, I get three hits, or I, let's, the, the real number, let's say I get two hits, right? Mm-hmm. I get two hits. At this point in my mind, the difference of getting a third hit versus uh, uh, potentially saving it on a reroll to wound, that third hit could be the difference of whether I blow this thing up or not. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, in this case, when I got two hits missing a third... I might actually lean towards, again, looking at a vacuum, so like he's not in cover or something like that. Um, I would probably use it to try and get that third hit, personally. I think that's where my gut would tell me to go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and this is something I want to bring up, because uh, it's something I did a lot of work on early in the edition and kind of talked with a lot of people about, and I think there's some very interesting outfalls. So I, I find it very interesting that Josh actually does not like rerolling the damage roll because the damage roll is statistically the best place to use the reroll, mm-hmm. um, th- and that seems very counterintuitive. Um, Shaylin obviously made a good point about like if you get no hits, don't reroll any of them because you can't blow it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are talking in a vacuum here. There's obviously a lot of proximate factors there, uh, yeah. including the other results of the dice roll. But if you are just talking about the results of any single given roll uh, on, say, a d6 weapon or something like that, the best place to use your reroll is on the damage roll because it will see you... Because you've already guaranteed damage. Exactly. It's a guaranteed It's a, it's a guaranteed return for the money at that point. And I see the point, right? Yes, yeah. uh, and to, to expound just a little bit there so that so people understand why that's true and people aren't just taking me at my word, if you re-roll a hit roll, that does succeed a hit, but then you also have to re- then succeed a damage roll and the enemy has to fail a save roll. There are yeah. more steps in the chain that need to be gone through in order for that action to be successful, whereas re-rolling a wound roll, you've already hit. You don't need to retry that hit. Um, and by the same token, re-rolling a damage roll, you have already hit wounded and they've failed their save. Um, it's a very Monty Hallist situation where the, the fact that you have more information there tips it over into being more valuable, even though it seems like they should all be the same or worse. So there is a caveat here because I use a lot of Melta for a long time. Sure. And one of the benefits of Melta was that you got to roll two dice and pick the highest. Absolutely. For damage. Which meant you often didn't need to re-roll there. You could count on not needing to do that, basically. Which yes. tipped where you would put that. Right. Again, we're speaking in a vacuum here of a, a hypothetical weapon as opposed to a specific one. Yeah. Uh, but Shaylin makes a very good point that knowing that is helpful, but you also need to know... What other factors are applying to your weapon? Is your weapon Melta? Do you have a captain or a lieutenant mm-hmm. around? Do you have both a captain or a lieutenant around? Do you have Guillemin around? Because if yeah. you have Guillemin around, why are you re-rolling anything but the damage? <laughs> um, Question mark? Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> there's obviously... I mean, it's it's a valid it's a valid point, and I definitely see where you, what you're what you're regarding as far as the uh, the concept, like on, on the individual platform you know just the one hit roll one wound roll one damage roll and in that in that view i could definitely see the most bang for your buck is going to come down to re-rolling the damage because at that point you've already guaranteed you're doing damage i am doing something to you Mm -hmm. and if i'm doing a d6 damage and a roll of one there's only one way this re-roll can go and that's better yeah or the Um, same or the same but yeah that's a thing of its own (laughs) um although 
Josh did make a very good point earlier that, like, with a D3 damage weapon, the value of rerolling the damage is often much lower. Yes. Um, just because you, you're looking at what is the potential improvement in my roll. Mm-hmm. And if you roll a 1 on that D3, the potential improvement is only at most 2 points. Which, if it's the difference between killing the vehicle and not, that's great. But if it's just going to do two more damage, it's probably not worth it. Yeah, no. Um, I, I've had it uh, come up where I do one on the D3 damage, and I'm facing against a Nurgle player, and they only have one loom left. I'll re-roll that, because sure. they've got a save against it, and I need to push a little bit more through. Yes, remember the full extent of the sequence, the the save, and then damage, and then resistance to damage, because there are a fair number of models with that. Mm-hmm. And never, ever, ever count on your opponent failing a 5-up, because they will pass it when it is least convenient for you. True story. The moment you rely on that, the moment you need that to happen, you lose. Because they will. They will make it. Mm -hmm. And maybe not every time, but the one time it matters. The dice will always come back around on you to screw you, and that is why the command reroll is so incredibly important in 8th edition. Mm Because it gives you a way to mitigate that the dice luck and the variability that is the enemy of competitive play. Yes. And again, why reroll abilities that are accessible via other means to alleviate using the CP reroll. Well, I think we've covered the topic pretty effectively at this point. Do either of the two of you have anything else you want to add as kind of a, a final thought for our listeners? Uh, yeah, there was one thing about the CP reroll. Uh, we mentioned like always saving some for the later turns of the game. Another thing to consider is, when I look at CP rerolls, is I'm like, do I have other stratagems I need to use later? That's very And how expensive are they? Yes. Uh, Know how much your stratagem costs, and whether using a CP reroll will push you below that. Because if you have exactly three CP left, and you're you're thinking you're going to want to fight again, don't spend that CP reroll. Because then you won't have three CP left, and you won't be able to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. Josh, do you have anything you want to finish this off with? There's, there's, I, I, I'm gonna kind of jump piggyback on that one, and that's the one comment you made earlier that I just, I want to emphasize, like seriously emphasize, is the difference mm-hmm. one CP to zero CP makes. It's huge because with that one, you still have a choice. With that one, you still have options. Once you go to zero, you're done. That's it. Mm-hmm. I think. I think that is an incredibly good point. Um, you think about how many options you lose going from one CP to zero, not just on the command reroll, but all the other stratagems you have. Because mm-hmm. there's so many one CP stratagems, and many of them are quite powerful. Yeah. Going from one to zero cuts you off from just literally dozens upon dozens of avenues of play. Yes. Well, I think we should wrap this up before it turns into a lecture about how you should spend CP. That is a subject for a different episode that I think would be very interesting all in itself, but not what we want to talk about here. Uh, hopefully all of you out there have gotten a better understanding of command reroll and dice probability and lots of the other things. If you want to talk some more on this, if you have some more questions, if you're curious about why we said something, or you just want some help with a list or someone to chat about with Warhammer 40k... Uh, you can contact us on inthefinesthour at gmail.com. You can also find our page, In the Finest Hour, on Facebook. And mm-hmm. if you are feeling exceptionally generous, we do have a Patreon where for $5 a month you can join our Discord group, our private Facebook crew, and maybe get them access to some other little bonuses now and again. We're going to try putting out some little like mini-episodes at some point, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. And if you sign up for that, you'll get access to all of those. 
And I'd like to uh, make call-outs to two such generous souls who did, in fact, donate to our Patreon. Uh, Kari Etrup, whose name I'm sure I am mangling right there, uh, has become one of our Patreons. There is a letter in that name that is not used in the American English lexicon. You're cool. Whoever you are, you're awesome. I love your name just because of what it is. And our other donator this month uh, was Eleanor Byler, uh, who has also contributed to things. Thank you very much, both Curry and uh, Eleanor. Also an awesome name. Uh, for helping support this. Yeah, I mean, that's Eleanor. I, just, I think like Eleanor Roosevelt or just... I have met her in person, and I can tell you she is a very elegant and wonderful woman. And that's kind of exactly what I was envisioning. Yeah. It must be the name. It's gotta be the name. Yeah, that's exactly what I envisioned. It's gotta be the name. Strong name. Alright, so what kind of upcoming events do we all have? Now that we're, we're out of the LVO grind and we're into this new season, uh, I'm sure we all have some interesting stuff coming up. Josh, what do you got? I'm actually gonna be at the Barry Bash in Barry, Ontario, very next weekend, uh, trying to defend my title. And- uh, I'm going to be at the CK Studios up in Portland, Oregon, getting myself covered in airbrush paint and maybe covering someone else with it. Ah, yeah. I'm gonna... one of those people. Did you get into that, Sean? I did not. I am actually probably going to be elsewhere that weekend. Um, specifically, I'm going to be down in Orlando, Florida, uh, probably visiting with some of my old friends from there, and uh, also visiting a bunch of theme parks. I'm going to try and get some games of 40K in. So if there's anyone down in the Orlando area, uh, shoot me a message. Let me know what game stores are there. My knowledge of the Orlando game stores is a full two decades out of date at this point. After that, we have Wet Coast, which is April 20th. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if we're going to make it to that, but my intent is to do so. And whether or not Shaylin can make it up there will depend a lot on her work schedule, as things are a little difficult for her in that regard. But hopefully by then we'll have things a little more sorted out. And then a while after that will be Storm of Silence, which is, I think, our first major of the season. Wet Coast is a major. Oh, is it a major this mm-hmm. year? Okay, I hadn't heard how many people they're actually getting. Uh, yes, Storm of Silence year. is obviously a major, run by the wonderful Bob Kelly and his store, The Gamer's Heaven. The man, the myth, the legend, Bob Kelly. <laughs> yes, uh, so we will be out to that like we are most of the time. Uh, and the weekend right after that is Bay Area Open. Yeah, that'll be exciting. <laughs> Back-to-back majors. God, that is right after that, isn't it? That, that this is how I 40k. Right. This is Shaylin No Regrets Island. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I'd also like to put in a thanks to our sponsors, uh, specifically Dank Muse for providing us with the intro, outro, and intermission music. You can check him out on Patreon. I believe he's on Spotify. He has a, uh, SoundCloud a YouTube, YouTube channel, SoundCloud. He's, he's on a lot of things. Uh, and he's back up and producing videos again, so you can see all his wonderful Simpsons work. He's got some really cool stuff. I actually like some of the stuff. It's really cool. That's re- I got into it. That's why I suggested it for the music, and he was generous enough to let us use it. Uh, also, you can go find uh, Rylan Woodrow at Rylan Woodrow um, on Facebook, and he does amazing art. He did our art. Yes, yeah, he is a 40k man himself, and... I look so evil in that art, it's great. <laughs> really, Rylan it does a great job of taking that 40k kind of, like, everyone is the bad guy's style, and <laughs> making it come to life. Love it. Love it. 
And uh, for anyone else that is obviously wanting to kind of kick in uh, a little bit towards us, we are always looking for uh, potential uh, advertising opportunities for both us and as well as, you know, anyone else that is uh, that has a business or is wanting to kind of get their name out there. Uh, here's a great platform. Um, obviously, with us growing, we are open to not only advertising for others, but uh, kind of getting our name out there as well. So if uh, you are interested in possibly wanting to advertise on us and maybe become a backer or a sponsor of uh, the show, that we have that we've got growing and developing here uh feel free to reach out to any one of us at any time and we can uh, definitely explore those options uh, um, also if you've got a tournament you want to draw his attention to let us know yes by all means uh we are certainly happy to talk about tournaments it's kind of what one of the things we love doing mm-hmm. all right josh uh you say you got a, a list of the week for us this time why don't you give us the spiel oh you guys are gonna love this one you ready this this is a a Ultra complex list that I found. I thought it was, uh, it, it looked, it looked awesome. It actually, uh, it was, it was a list that came up when, uh, we were all prepping for LVO and we're all looking at, you know, we were all looking at lists and trying to find good lists to practice against. This is one of the ones that someone came up with. They found it online somewhere or whatever. And it was just really interesting. And it, and it was one of those, like, just left me scratching my head. Like, that sounds really kind of neat. Right. So anyways, without further ado, do, uh, it is a, uh, Katachan Battalion. To kick uh-huh. it off, okay, led by the obvious Colonel Ironhand Strachan and a Lord Commissar. Uh, the Lord Commissar is the Warlord, and he takes the uh, Draconian Disciplinarian as the Warlord trait. Seems to be kind of the default. Oh, okay. And then there is three, count them, three units of 30 conscripts. Nice. That is 90 conscripts. Yes, you heard that right. That is 90 conscripts. And then there is the obligatory Astropath and Priest, mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. And then the other half of the list... Ultra simple. A Knight Castellan, a Knight Crusader, and a Knight uh, uh, Gallant. Oh, That's it. okay. So a lot of bodies and three big boys. What house are the Knights? Uh, so this is the part that I actually thought was really awesome. They went crest. I've seen a lot more of that recently. So with that, we'll close out the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, I hope you'll all join us when we talk about sacrificial units and how to use them in your army. Spoilers, you'll hear Shaylin talk about killing her Grey Knights on purpose. Yes. Uh, (laughs) But for this week, thank you all for listening. I've been from the center, Sean Morgan. Shaylin on the left. And death on the right. This has been In the Finest Hour.